Hi, this is Maria Toso, and I'm going to give you a brief distilled description of the first yama, of um, which is the first limb of the eight limbs of yoga as outlined by Patanjali in the Yoga Sutras. The yamas, and there are five of them, uh, tell us how to treat other people. They're like moral observances. They're not so different from the Ten Commandments that we may know from Christianity. They have to do with not lying, stealing, killing, um, and such things. Now, the first one is Ahimsa. And that's the one that I'll be talking to you about a little bit today. Ahimsa means nonviolence. Whenever you have an ah in front of a word in Sanskrit, it often means non or not. So in this case, it's not violent. So why is that the very first um, yama of the very first limb of yoga? Why is that the very first thing that we are told to observe in yoga? Now, in yoga, we view all human beings as connected in divinity, as essentially one. And anything that would harm another is inherently a crime against everyone, including ourselves. Now, we commit any kind of violence, whether it's in action or thoughts or words, because we are ignorant of our true nature of being all one in God. And um, most of us live in that state. We think we are a separate individual, different from all the other individuals that are running around. So we often act out of selfishness, getting something good for ourselves or those that we've decided to love is more important than giving it to someone that we don't like or that we don't love. And and this is all born out of um, fundamental avidya again, uh, the opposite of, of knowledge, of not understanding, not knowing, um, also sometimes translated as ignorance of our true nature. So we don't have to understand this broader um, concept of unity because our path, our yogic path, all the steps that are outlined for us in the Yoga Sutras will eventually take us there if we practice each of these steps. So we try on for size what it is like to be nonviolent, even if we don't quite understand why we can't be violent. We just decide to see what will it do in our life if we choose to really observe any propensity toward violence. Now, by the time you make it to yoga and you're interested enough in yoga to learn about yoga beyond the physical postures, which is just one of the limbs of the eight limbs of yoga as described in the Yoga Sutras, we probably you know, are interested in in yoga as more of a spiritual path and not just as a physical practice, which for many people probably means that we don't um, act with physical violence, that we don't kill or even hurt someone else physically. Now, we might indirectly be responsible for killing uh, animals, for example, if we're not vegetarian. So that would be another discussion. Um, But let's stay with the actions and the morality between human beings for now. Mm. So let's take for granted that we're not physically violent. 
toward anyone and not toward ourselves. And look at how we might in other ways be violent, how we may be violent with our words. When we're triggered or get reactive, um, when we're tired or tense or impatient, how do we talk to someone else? Do we trip them up by, by spewing angry words at them? Um, and if we at some point learn to control that and, and, and stop exploding at someone, um, what are our thoughts doing? What are our intentions doing? Do we have loving, kind intentions toward all living beings? Or do we walk into a room and more or less unconsciously start labeling and judging other people? As we progress in our practice, um, we start to develop through the practice of meditation the capacity to be more aligned with our inner witnessing divine self and a little less with the nonstop judging mind. So we can start to observe the content of the mind and we can start to observe the constant stream of thoughts and where it's going. So what might that look like? We might walk into a group of people and we might see someone that we immediately judge in two or three ways inwardly. Now that judgment is an energy already in that moment, no matter how much we smile and we have kind words and we're not being violent toward that individual, just those simple judgments are already standing between us and this other human being. So we start to work on a very subtle level when we get deeper into our yogic practice. We start to observe when judgments stand between us and someone else. And then we start to decipher where is that coming from. And that's an inner process. So in, again, instead of spending too much time picking someone else apart, which is so often what we do as human beings, we, we get triggered by someone or there's something we feel is mm, worthy of being judged or picked apart in someone else, we might go to a friend and, and start bitching about this person. Now, if we have a good friend um, who is not into gossiping and commiserating, he or she might say to us, okay, why are you so upset? What is really going on inside of you? What is your learning here? And then we reverse that flow of outwardly judging, condemning, having ill will towards someone else. And instead, we pull it back inside and we start to observe where is this coming from? What is being triggered inside of me? Now, the second verse of the Yoga Sutras out of 196 verses, right after Patanjali states that we're now entering into learning about yoga, the second verse after that, um, and there are many translations, so this is just one that's in my head, um, yoga is the cessation of the fluctuation of the mind. So, what does that mean? It means that the constant stream of thoughts and judgments that are running in the mind end up being our life experience. When we can quiet that down, we can start experiencing what's true. We can start experiencing ourself as true divine light, and we will start to see that divine light in the other. 
Now there may still be some some version of a lens that we're looking through, but we become better at looking right through that lens with all the distortions that our mind creates about um, someone else and see through to their divine spark. And if the divine spark within us can see the divine spark within the other, some of the strategies and the judgments and the outer behavior starts to subside a little bit. And that is really what namaste means. Now, often at the end of a physical yoga practice class, the teacher will say namaste and explain that this means the divine teacher in me sees the divine light in you. Um, But... Is that really true? Is that really what we're doing? How often do we just get lost in judging someone else? How often do we not look for the lovable in the other? So as we spend a week practicing ahimsa and observing our own propensity towards judgment, violent thoughts, we just start to notice. Maybe we're able to notice in the moment as the judgments start to arise within and maybe that's not going to happen because we're too immersed in the moment so maybe we look back in the evening we might get out of a journal and look back and see how did I get kind of triggered today what are the harsh judgments I had towards someone else and can we start to neutralize those and even beyond neutralizing can we ask the forgiveness for having judged a brother or a sister in this world. Um, so there are many levels of practicing ahimsa, and it's really up to each individual exactly how deeply you take in the concept of ahimsa into your yogic practice. Mm, I think if you set the intention to spend time with the concept of ahimsa, the practical concept, the practical application of ahimsa, in your life, things will simply start to arise. You will start to notice things. And you might notice things in others, and that's interesting, but we're not here to fix others. Start noticing in yourself. Start noticing how easy it is to commiserate with someone else or gossip about someone else. Gossip is very damaging, both to the person gossiping and to the person being gossiped about. Because when you gossip about someone to someone else, you are painting a picture of that person, which is just one slim facet of who they are. And you are, if in ca- except if the other person is very high consciousness and um, has the capacity to turn it around and say, okay, what's really going on here for you? Why are you triggered? That person may easily be swayed to see the person you're gossiping about in that light and all of a sudden the two of you together are holding this um, unflattering image of this other person and that's a really tight energy to project on someone else so even a simple act which is not simple at all as refraining from gossiping and instead speaking words of blessing and gratitude toward other people and spending time appreciating and giving compliments and uplifting and encouraging other people, we might spend more time doing the opposite. For many people, it's actually easier to tear someone down than it is to build them up. And yet that little tearing down 
can be detrimental. That could be just the thing that pushes someone over the edge where they feel absolutely worthless. So spend your time doing the opposite. See what people are doing right and, and let them know and encourage them in this world. So I want to wish you all the best working with Ahimsa this coming week or however long you have to work with it. And um, as always, meditation, even if it's just a brief meditation every day, will help you immensely incorporating uh, the broader yogic philosophy. All the best. Love you all.